Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you for this food and thank you for nourishing life for our body. We thank you for this meal together as a family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God, I'm praying for my family right now. We're all sick and we need your healing. God, I pray for this presentation today that may go well. Whatever the outcome is, just have it be your will. All right, God. So I know I'm not really ready for this test, but please help me not to fail it. God, thank you for good friends, for giving me the strength and the friendship that I need. Today's going to be so hard. God, I need your strength. Lord, please help my parents stop fighting. Lord, thank you so much for my grandparents. God, give me the strength to get my family through this. God, I'm so happy. I pray that you would bless our marriage. All right. Hey, welcome to Liquid, everybody. I'm Pastor Tim. Glad you're here. We need to say hello to Notley, New Brunswick, Mountainside, and Somerset County. He's going to be joining us soon. Give him a hand. Glad you guys are with us today. Joining us for our new series called Pray, which is all about, wait for it, prayer. Uh, and I want to thank those of you who were uh, praying for my wife, Colleen, and I. Uh, we just got back from Africa, hence the safari look. Uh, you know, yeah, we were on a clean water trip to Rwanda. It was funny. When I came home, my kids were like, you look weird in a beard, you know? And uh, I, was like, uh, I was like, yeah, but look, the sun bleached it blonde on the sides. And my daughter's like, Daddy, that's gray. You know, like the kids will tell you exactly what is. But uh, I'll tell you uh, later this fall about Liquid's new mission to Africa. It's incredibly exciting, but I want to thank you for your prayers while uh, we were in Rwanda. Uh, For those of you who are new, what we're doing is we're starting a message series that typically lasts three or four weeks. What we're going to do is we we choose a book of the Bible or a character or a specific theme, and for the next three weeks, we're going to drill down and unpack what Scripture teaches about that topic. So in this series, Pray for Three Weeks, we're going to specifically learn to pray with renewed power and renewed passion in a way that will deepen your intimacy with God. Because a lot of times in the summer, people kind of go on a spiritual vacation, uh, and we hope that's not the case. So if your prayer life is lagging, this is kind of like, let's warm the paddles up. We're going to jumpstart your prayer life. Uh, I always like to start with something funny. Uh, Maybe you heard about the little boy who was saying his bedtime prayers with his mommy and his grandma, you know, and so he's kneeling down by his bed and he prays, you know, uh, you know, dear God, please bless, you know, mommy and daddy and the family and, you know, give me a good night's sleep. And uh, before he says amen, he suddenly goes, and don't forget I want a bicycle for my birthday. And his mother said, hey, there's no need to shout like that. God isn't deaf. And the little boy said, no, but grandma is. <laughs> you know, we all pray with mixed motives, Right. Uh, all of our camps, it's just an honest moment. How many of you would say, you know what, I absolutely believe in the power of prayer, but I probably don't pray as much as I should. Just an honest moment, show your hands. You believe in the power of prayer, but you're like, I just don't, yeah, all of us feel that way. Tons and tons of hands. I'm not here to shame or guilt anybody. I want to encourage you today. But it's strange because there's always this gap, it seems, in the Christian community. Why is it that we serve this good God who's incredibly generous? He's this powerful Father in heaven, Right? He commands the stars, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he loves to answer the prayers of his children. And yet the majority of us simply don't pray as we know we could or should. I think there are several problems that we have with prayer. The first thing is that some people feel like they don't really know how to pray. Uh, I was talking with one of our pastors. She was helping a, a couple in our church through a rough patch in their marriage. And she said to the wife, well, have you ever prayed together? Uh, would you, why don't you pray with your husband? And she said, oh, no, no, I could never pray with him. What if I make a mistake? What if I don't do it right? There's a sense some people have that, like, that you can make a mistake in prayer. Have you ever been worried about making a mistake? Have you ever fallen asleep while praying? No, just me? Yeah, right. Is there anything worse? Like, Dear Lord, I really... It's so embarrassing. Um, maybe you're like me. Sometimes my mind doesn't fall asleep. It jumps all over the place. I'm like that ADD prayer guy, you know? I'll be like, you know, God, I'm praying for a miracle, and and Miracle Whip is awesome. And I love, they put mayonnaise on fries in Europe, and, you know, Europe would be awesome to visit on vacation. Vacation movie looked pretty good. We're in Wally World. What is happening? Like, you know, I started here, and then you're, you know, three miles down the road. Or maybe you prayed with other Christians. Uh, You ever pray with people who like to show off in prayer? Like the guy who, like, let's hold hands, and he, like, crushes your hand, you know, to show his intensity. 
remember being in a life group, and the guy kind of prayed with these, you know, like he was Moses' little brother, you know, like, oh, ancient of days, you know, you've said in thy word, we're the head, not the tail, you know, we trample on snakes, the guy's like casting out demons and calling down angels, and everyone's kind of like peeking, like, <laughs> that's a fierce prayer, like that, I think God has to answer that legally, like I think he has to. Or you pray with a new believer, uh, you know, who's been, you know, maybe new to Christianity. Maybe you're new to the faith, and you're like, I don't know all the lingo. I don't even know why you were laughing at Ancient of Days. What is that? Um, Craig Rochelle said he prayed with this one guy who was a brand new Christian. And he said it was amazing him kind of trying to, you know, learn the language. And he was like, you know, uh, you know God, your, your word says that you are good. You're good to the last drop. <laughs> you know, like, you're like a good neighbor. You'll always be there. Your, your word tastes good. It melts on my lips, not in my hands. You know, like, and thank you for the blood, which is thicker than water. Amen. You know, kind of like, wherever you are in that continuum, we all have struggled with prayer at some point. And uh, for the next three weeks, what I'm hoping is that God will do a new work and really teach us to pray with power and with passion. Can you say power? Power. All right. And our, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it, Chris. Our guide for the series is going to be the Apostle Paul. What we're going to look at is three prayer, prayers of great power that Paul actually prayed in the New Testament. If you don't know who Paul is, he is this guy who was named Saul. He actually killed Christians. He hated believers. He met the grace of, of God, and Jesus transformed his life. He actually became the main missionary of the early church. And what Paul did is he took the message of Jesus all over the ancient world, from Greece all the way to Rome, and he started churches, and he would write letters to them. He wrote a very big part of the New Testament. And so we're going to look at three of Paul's letters. They're called the Pauline Epistles. If you want to like sound fancy, like, oh, I'm studying the Pauline Epistles. It just means we're going to read Paul's mail, okay? We're going to read a few of his letters, and you're going to see a pattern. In many of Paul's letters, he prays the same way over and over again. What Paul would pray is he would pray this way. He'd say, I pray that blank... So that blank. Over and over, you'll see Paul say, I pray that, and then he'll name his, his request, so that he'll name his reason. The request first, and then the deeper reason behind it. That's Paul's pattern of prayer. I pray for this, so that this would happen. And this is really a way to pray with very uh, specific purpose. It's targeted. It's specific. God, I ask you for this, so that this will happen in the world. And to me, this is a great way to pray. Because I think a lot of us make two big mistakes when it comes to prayer. If you're taking notes, the first is this. Many times our prayers are too small. You know, God, just watch over us today. Or secondly, our prayers are too general. God, just be with us. Like, what does that even mean, you know? For some of us, when we pray to God, our prayers are too small or they're too general. I want you to think back, case in point, to the prayers you prayed this week. Better yet, let's say the prayers you prayed this weekend, you prayed last night or yesterday. Let me ask you this. If God answered all your prayers from the last 48 hours, how would the world be different? Would it be any different? Or would it just be, well, we prayed, you know, God bless this food to our bodies. I guess he did, you know. It's a Chipotle. It's a miracle. I, you know, a lot of our prayers are too small and too general. If God answered your prayers, would the world change? Were they kingdom breaking? Like God's got to show up and show off kind of prayers? Or were they smaller? Because if we're honest, a lot of us pray very puny prayers. God, you know, thank you for this day. Just bless so and so. And I wonder if God doesn't at times get a little frustrated by how small and generic our prayers are. Like, have, have you looked where you are? You are blessed, okay, where you live. I've promised you I'll never leave you or forsake you. So you don't have to worry about, will you be with me? I am with you always. That's a promise. That's easy. Now ask me for something big. I wonder if at times your father doesn't want you to actually grab hold of his power. And he says, ask me for something that will require the resources of heaven and show off my glory when I answer it. Because our prayers are often too small and too generic. And when that happens is we actually shortchange the power of a God who says, with man, there's a lot of things that are impossible. But with me, all things are possible. I wonder if our lack, our lack of specificity, our, the breadth of possibility ever insult the heart of God. 
And he's like, you know, I could do so much more if you would have the faith to, to ask me, to take hold of my power. Well, in this series, we're going to encourage you to pray big and specific prayers for three weeks because of this truth. General prayers typically do not move God to specific actions. I'm going to say that again if you're taking notes. General prayers typically do not move God to specific actions. God's word, as you're about to see, commands us to ask God with very specific requests and have the faith to believe that he can do things that would be impossible in human terms. God's like, I want you to pray big prayers, bold prayers. In fact, I want you to ask me for things that are bound to fail unless I intervene. Be passionate, be bold, pray big. Prayer is powerful. But not every Christian acts like like that, do they? Uh, I'll give you an example. This is actually a true story. This is out of the news. Apparently, there was a bar owner in Texas who got his liquor license. He was going to open a bar across the street from a Baptist church. And uh, the church members obviously got upset. They were all up in arms. They were like, we don't want drunk people, you know, stumbling on church property. And according to the news report, they held a prayer rally asking God to intervene. They actually had a prayer vigil. And they were like asking God, you know, thwart the bar owner's plans. Well, as the news report goes, exactly two days before the bar was scheduled to open, lightning struck the building and literally burned the bar to the ground, okay? Now, the people of this church, apparently, were, they were shocked, but then they were kind of like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, until they heard the bar owner was suing the church. In, true story, in church, the bar owner sued the pastor and the church members for damages, claiming their prayers were responsible for burning his business to the ground, okay? And it was amazing because the pastor was called in to testify. He denied the charges. He's like, we only prayed a few puny little prayers. You know, it's just, it's a coincidence. It's unrelated. God's not responsible. And then the bar owner took the stand and he said, nope, their prayers destroyed my business. They, They destroyed my livelihood. That church is liable for damages. At which point the judge apparently remarked, well, this is the strangest case I've ever heard. On the one hand, we have a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer, and on the other hand, church people who don't. (laughs) Do you believe in the power of prayer? Because that's what Paul's going to teach us uh, to do and pray in a specific way that taps into the power of an almighty God who can do more than we ask or imagine. That's what Paul writes in Ephesians 3. That's why I invite you to open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at this prayer found in Ephesians 3, and this is what Paul wrote around 60 AD. That's when this letter was written, and what's interesting is Paul wrote this letter from a prison. He was in prison at this point, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he starts his prayer. You're going to see this pattern. He's going to say, I pray that blank, so that blank. Watch for this pattern as we read. We'll start at verse 14 of Ephesians 3. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And here he goes. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with, what's the word here? Power through his spirit, this is the Holy Spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Furthermore, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have what? Power together with all the Lord's holy people, the whole church, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, so that what? You may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now that's a prayer with power. Say power. Power, yeah. Paul says that word power multiple times here. He says, I pray that you may be strengthened with power so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that Greek word for power is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite from. It means the explosive, dynamic power of God. This is not like human power. This is the unlimited power of an omnipotent God, the creator of universe. And Paul says, I pray that you would be filled with dunamis, with supernatural power, because it's available to every single follower of Jesus Christ. How do you access this power? Paul teaches us. Notice he begins, he says this, for this reason, I what? Say that word in red. I kneel before the Father. When you pray or you talk to your Father, it's important for you to know this. You can pray in any position that feels comfortable. 
You can pray while you're standing. You can pray while you're sitting, while you're kneeling. You can even pray while you're driving. Just don't close your eyes or you will meet Jesus prematurely, okay? In this particular case here, Paul's kneeling, right? This was a very common way for Jewish men to pray in the first century. They would often get down on their knees and they would open their hands, palms up towards heaven. And I will do this from time to time when I pray. I will do this when I'll get down the carpet in our basement or I'll get down on the grass in our backyard and actually pray like this. And it's a way of your body saying, you know, God, I'm bowing out of reverence. I'm bowing before you and acknowledging how great you are and how small I am. I'm acknowledging how, how strong you are and actually how weak I am, how much I need, I need your power. Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, and I pray that out of his what? What's that phrase in red? Glorious riches. Just pause here. How does Paul start his prayer? By saying, my daddy is rich. <laughs> not Donald Trump rich. Not crass and consumeristic rich. Paul's like, your father in heaven has unlimited power in untold riches. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms is available to you, his child, through your inheritance in Christ. That means that you and I serve this infinitely generous God in heaven who says, I want you to call me Father. This is your legacy. This is your, what you can tap into. And yet, so many Christians live as spiritually impoverished children. We have small requests. We have general prayers. God, help my allergies today. When the riches of heaven are at our disposal, Paul prays, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in where? In your heart through faith. That's why we say you invite Jesus Christ into your where? Into your heart. Not just in your head, but this is going to be experiential reality. You see the pattern? I pray that so that. Here's my request. Here's my reason. And I pray that you may be filled with power so that Christ dwells in your heart through faith. What's the source of your power? Christ dwells in you. If you have invited Christ into your life, your heart, through faith, you have received the Holy Spirit, who is the plutonium of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the explosive, dynamic power of God. The Holy Spirit is the same power that spoke creation into existence. God said, let there be light. There was light. God commanded the stars, fill the sky, and it was so. This is the same power that parted the Red Sea and delivered God's people out of bondage in Egypt. The Holy Spirit is the same power that pulsed through Jesus' body as he healed the sick and he raised the dead. And that same Spirit is the very power of God living in you through faith in Christ. It's the same power that raised the Lord Jesus will raise you also. Amen? That's a promise. So can I ask you this question? Where do you need to tap into God's power in your life today? In our world, I mean, again, if God answered all of your prayers last week, would the world be any different? What prayers do you have today that require the spiritual richness of an all-powerful God? Today, we want to give every single one of you at each of our campuses a chance to pray a big prayer, a prayer from the heart, a prayer that draws on your Father's richness and actually requires His power. And so we have made several thousand prayer cards that our ushers are going to pass out. They look like this. Ushers, come on down at each of our campuses. We're going to ask you to take one and pass it down the row. And I want everyone to make this personal. We gave you a We typically put a pen on your seat. You know, it's the pens that say, uh, you know, faith is a journey, not a guilt trip, unless you steal all our pens. That Take that pen. <laughs> I want you to click it. Let there be clicking of the pens, okay? And as I'm speaking, I want to invite you to write out your prayer following Paul's pattern. So, so it's not just, dear God, I want you to actually follow this. I pray that blank. Would you throw that up on the screen, the pattern? I pray that, and then you can write out your request as I'm talking. So that blank, would you write out your reason? And this is the part I want to challenge you with. What's your motivation behind this? Don't think small, okay? This is, again, it's like, you know, I pray that we have sunny weather on vacation, you know, so that I get a great tan, okay? It's not that. 
Don't be selfish. I pray that I win the lottery so that I can tithe on Powerball, okay? Examine your motives and pray from your heart. Where do you need to see God's power in your life today? What prayer do you have that requires a spiritual richness of an old, all-powerful God? I want you to be specific and bold, and I want you to think of it this way, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Is there an area of your life where you need God to show up, not just show up, but show off so that Jesus Christ gets glory? Not just so that your life's easier, but Christ gets glory. Maybe it's an area of bondage. Maybe it's a temptation that you have, a recurring sin that you have struggled with your whole life, and you get momentary victory, you live in seasons of, you know, victory, but it really weighs you down. Maybe it's a prayer, you need God's power. Maybe it's a prayer for salvation. Somebody in your family who's far from God, they're hard-hearted, they're cynical, and you're like, man, they'd never believe unless God himself came down and appeared to them. Don't pray puny or petty prayers. A lot of times, my prayers are embarrassingly small and very self-centered. But God created the whole world, and here's my question. When was the last time you prayed for the world? When was the last time you prayed for the Christians being killed in the Middle East, for the persecuted church? Oh, yeah, that was three months ago when you preached on it, Tim, but actually never since then. I pray that God would thwart the plans of ISIS so that they would see the truth that they are persecuting Jesus, the bride of Christ, in the Middle East. What would be different in the world, in your world, if your prayers were answered? I pray that the children in Rwanda would get clean water so that the last would know that they are loved first by an almighty God. I pray that so that write out your request followed by your reason as I'm talking. Some of you know it instantly. I see you writing it down. If you can't think of it, just track with me. It could be personal. could be global. Just don't let it be generic or small. We serve a big God. He invites big prayers from his children requires big faith to fulfill. Let me give you an example. I love to read prayers actually from history, from like leaders in days gone by. And uh, because a lot of times they inspire me, they teach me, oh man, I need to be bold and specific in my faith. Let me share with you a prayer of Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a German pastor. He was the father of the Reformation in the 1500s. This is an unflattering selfie of Martin Luther. And uh, Martin Luther had an assistant uh, named Frederick who helped Luther as he was undergoing this enormous task of reforming the church in the 1500s. And his assistant, Frederick, uh, got deathly ill, basically. He was on his deathbed. And he wrote to Luther, and he said, uh, the end is near. I'm going to die. Just want you to know I love you. But Martin Luther, his faith was so big and so bold, he wouldn't stand for it. Instead of praying, you know, okay, you know, may the Lord bless you in the hospital and comfort you, you know. Luther prayed a brassy prayer, <laughs> a very bold prayer. Very big, very specific prayer. Listen to what Luther prayed. Just, if he was writing it down, this is what he actually prayed. This is his actual prayer. He said, I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Boom! This is a pretty big, bold, specific prayer. I pray that you will live, that you will even survive me so that we can reform the church and give glory to Jesus Christ. Now, what's crazy is Luther's assistant at this point, he was so close to death, he had lost the ability to swallow or even speak. But when he heard this prayer read, it ignited something in his faith. He experienced a supernatural healing, got up from his deathbed, and lived six more years. Guess when he died? Exactly two months after Martin Luther died. That's how specific God's response was to a specific faithful prayer by a man who just had a big enough faith to believe that all things are possible with God. At Liquid, we don't think that's ancient history. We actually believe that God's still in the business of answering life-changing prayers like that today. Amen? Let me share with you a big prayer that was answered right here at Liquid in, a, in, a, in an amazing way. Some of you know Stephen San Giacomo from our Nutley campus. He's a single father, has two amazing sons. But for years, he struggled with an addiction to drugs. It got worse and worse. First cocaine, then heroin, and then eventually methadone as he tried to get clean. He found a home at Liquid Nutley. He gave, you know, his life was invaded by Christ. He was baptized at Liquid at the shore. But Stephen had this secret struggle. And it wasn't until Stephen personally prayed, he came forward for prayer and actually prayed with one of our team members, that he experienced the life-changing power 
of God in his life. My name is Steven San Giacomo. I had a rough childhood. At 14, I was kicked out of the house by my stepfather. So at that point, I moved in with my brother. I had car insurance, I had to pay rent, I had to feed myself, I had, I had all the things as an adult, but I was still in high school. So I knew a lot of drug dealers. I told them I'd pay them to show me how to sell cocaine. And when I walked in, there was a guy standing there named Willie, and he said, I wasn't going any further until I sniffed this line. And that was the first time I did drugs. But somewhere around like when I was 24, 25, um, a friend of mine had a bag of heroin, and it looked just like cocaine. And um, he said, sniff this, you'll love it. And I sniffed it, and I absolutely hated it because I threw up all night. But that's the way drugs work. Even though I was sick all night, the next day I wanted to do it again. I struggled for years, and then finally, um, 2007, I got arrested for fighting, and I was in jail for a couple months. And I was on a rehab floor of the jail, and that was where it all, it, it, that was where the seed was planted where I started getting myself together. Like, you know what, I gotta get clean and stay clean. My sons were already born. I was successful for months at a time and I would relapse. So I, I, kept, I kept falling back in. There was something missing, something missing. And I heard about liquid. So one day I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go find this church. So I had Googled it and they gave me the address and I pulled up in front of a school and Joe Mosca and Aida Acevedo are sitting on the steps, right? I said to Joe, I said, is this a church? He goes, yeah, it's a church. Don't you hear the music? Come on, I'll bring you inside. And he brings me inside. I said, you know, I got my boys in the car. He said, oh, no, no, I'll take care of your boys. I'll take you boys, you know, hang out and, and, and see, the, see the facility. And they brought me around to Liquid Kids. Right there, I knew I was good. I knew it. I'm like, this is it. I'm home. And I didn't let anybody know. And I was scared. I was ashamed. I was like, you know, everybody will look at me different. I was terrified to tell anybody, anybody at all. That morning, when they were doing the healing prayers, I really wanted to go up for the healing prayer. But I was scared, because I knew I would have to tell somebody that I drank methadone. I, I explained what was going on. The, the, the spirit was right there in between us like it was it was it was like coming into my body like from my head down like i felt it coming in it was freedom i had freedom at a level that i hadn't experienced that was it i haven't drank methadone since i'm sharing my story because i want people to know that the power of, of a healing prayer is real it works the holy spirit is real and it it works inside you and you could be healed from anything. I was addicted for 16 years over, you know, different drugs. I'm a single father. I'm doing my part for them now. You know, it's all about breaking cycles and I'm showing them the right way to do it. I'm giving them all the tools they need. I love it. I love taking care of them. I love hearing their stories, you know, they're in martial arts, they volunteer at Liquid. That's how I'm living my life now. Freedom, you know, I was, once was lost, and now I'm found. We are for Stephen and his family. Praise God for you, Stephen. Stephen was sitting right where you are with his two sons, just incredible to me. And he was so excited, he's like, Tim, I have to share my story and let people know. Prayer is real, the Holy Spirit is real. There actually is power available. He goes, I was addicted for 16 years. Now I pray all the time. He's like, you have to pray. He's like a prayer evangelist. And I thank God for you, Stephen. Just, I am so proud of you and your courage and your bravery. You shared a gift with us. And just so there is no guilt, there's no shame, there's no judgment. There's just freedom. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen? That is so awesome. Can I ask, what prayer do you need to pray that requires the power of an almighty God. I'm going to ask you to write it out in your prayer card, and we're going to collect these at every single campus, thousands of prayer, and we're going to actually pray for every single one, one by one, and we're going to see what God does over the next three weeks. What I love is that Stephen really followed the pattern of Paul, 
where he said, you know, I pray that. And what he was praying is, yes, God sets me free from my addiction to drugs. But watch, so that I can be a great father and a godly example to my boys. So that we can change the legacy of our family forever. So that we can change the future of my children and my children's children. You see, there's a, there's a, there's a bigger goal behind it that requires God's supernatural power to accomplish. And I want to encourage somebody today because you need to know your heavenly father can do more in your life than you ask or imagine, but you have to ask him. Amen? You have to humble yourself. You have to swallow your pride. You have to believe in your heart and say, I need the power of the Holy Spirit because I can't do this myself. Understand something. The Holy Spirit can do in an instant the Holy Spirit can do in an instant what it might take weeks, months, years, if at all, to accomplish in your own strength. And I, you have to persevere. You have to actually press in. Jesus says, ask. I want you to seek. I want you to knock. And so I want you to start today by praying this prayer. I pray that so that we're going to collect these at the end of the service, even give you a chance to come forward and be prayed for by our campus prayer teams. Now, just understand, you can ask anything. You don't have to put your name on this, but no shame, no judgment. The Bible actually says perfect love casts out fear. And that's what Paul talks about next in Ephesians 3. Look at verse 17. He says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, you have your roots in Christ's love, you may have, here it is again, power together with all the Lord's holy people, this is the church, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Isn't that amazing? Paul's in prison at this moment. What would your prayer be? <laughs> get me out of here! Paul doesn't pray, I pray that I may get out of prison so that I may go and preach. He doesn't even pray that. He's like, that's just small stuff. That's just circumstances stuff. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will help the church wake up and grasp how wide and long and high and deep God's love is for them. This is what's incredible about the gospel. Some of you are here and it hasn't penetrated you yet. And there's a reason for that. The Bible says you cannot naturally comprehend the depth of God's love for you. You can't naturally comprehend it. It actually has to be supernaturally revealed by the Holy Spirit. Your finite mind, no matter how smart you are, lacks the capacity to comprehend how much love your Father in heaven has for you. You even hear that word Father and you see you think of your earthly father. And maybe he was abandoned or he, was abu you know, he wasn't there or he was abusive or, or maybe he was a good dad. But it doesn't matter. He wasn't perfect. And he's like, you have to supernaturally understand that God's love is wide. It covers the breadth of your experience. It is long. It, it, it spans your entire life from the, from the womb to the cradle to the grave. God's love is high. It reaches to the heights of, of, of celebration. And it's deep. You know what? It reaches to the depths of discouragement, despair, even death can't separate us from the love of God. God's love is like swimming in the middle of the ocean. And if you go to the shore for vacation, when you go out there past where the lifeguards are safe, but then you can't hear their whistle anymore, and you're out there, you're just going around, and you're just like, I hope I'm not like that surfer in Australia. You know, you're looking around. And this immensity of the ocean, it's vast. It's infinitely deep. It's endless. You can't get away from it. It's all around you. That's what God's love is like, even when you don't know it. And parents, this is so critical. One of the most important prayers you can pray for your children, parents, pay attention, is that God would give them the power to understand how much he loves them as their heavenly father. Because when the approval, when their approval comes from God, they won't feel the need to get the approval from all their peers. They're actually not sucked into temptation of the world because they're confident standing in the approval of God. This, this is what I'm trying to cultivate in my kids right now. Uh, especially my son, Dell, who's 11 years old. I'm always looking for ways, as his earthly father, to enter his world so I can point and teach him about his heavenly father. Because I'm just his earthly father. You can see I'm getting gray, and I'm going to give him a foretaste. But when I'm gone, I want him to depend on his heavenly father. And so I always look for ways to do this. As I told you, my son loves fishing. He's a great fisherman, way better than me. We spend many hours doing this together. And a couple years ago, we started doing something kind of funny. Whenever we'd go fishing, I was like, hey, the disciples were fishermen. Let's read a fish story. I'm like, I'll find any excuse to get them in the Bible, you know? So we would drive uh, to wherever we're going fishing. We'd read a fish story, and then we would pray. 
And it was funny because he was like, Lord, I pray that you will help me now catch fish today. You know, specifically a smallmouth bass. Uh, and I was like, well, uh, you know, I didn't want to correct him theologically, whatever. You know, I'm just like, that's eh, fine, you know. And sure enough, we'd go out and he'd, get, he'd catch a smallmouth bass. And I was like, oh, coincidence, that's cute. And then it happened two and three and four times in a row. We're down the shore one time, we're in the bay, and, he, and he's like, we're not catching anything. He was looking for, like, you know, crabs and stuff. And so he goes, Dad, we need to pray. I was like, okay, we can pray. And he goes, Lord, I pray that you will help me catch a horseshoe crab in the next three minutes. This is a highly specific prayer, you know, right? Like, next three minutes. I'm like, and God, if you don't, we're still grateful to be here. You know, I'm adding my lack of faith to his prayer. And he literally takes two steps. He goes, Dad, Dad, I think I got it. God answered a prayer. I'm like, dude, it's just a rock. He pulls up. He goes, it's a big rock. He pulls up these two horseshoe crabs that are mating. They're, like, stuck together. I'm like, don't pull them apart. He goes, they're stuck, you know. It was, like, it was incredible. It was, it was crazy, right? So bottom line is he's now all the time, he's like, Dad, we need to pray before we fish. So bottom line is we drive up to a lake in Sparta a few weeks ago. We're visiting a friend. We call him Uncle Bob. He's here uh, in, in one of our campuses. And on the way up, uh, Del says, let's read the story about the, uh, the miraculous catch. You, you know this one, right? The disciples are fishing all night. They're skunk. They catch nothing. And then Jesus is like, hey, have you thrown the nets on the other side of the boat? <laughs> and, of course, it's funny. My son was like, can you imagine a carpenter telling the fishermen what to do? Uh, and, and you know what happens, they throw the nets over, and they catch so many fish, the nets begin to break, right? It's this miracle, showing God's power and in in his provision. So before we get out of the car, my son says, all right, let's pray. And uh, he goes, dear God, I pray we would catch so many fish today that our boat would break, <laughs> right? And, and, and to be honest, I'm now starting to have theological concerns, you know? I'm like... <laughs> There are so many people starving in our world, you know, people without clean water, and we're praying to catch largemouth bass, you know? But I was like, God, you're, you're his father. Teach my son. He can ask anything that he can depend on you, that, that you can do more, you know, than we ask or imagine. Bottom line is, we meet up with Uncle Bob. We get in the boat. First line we drop in the water, boom, three-pound bass. I'm like, oh, all right, well, that's, you know, it's a good time of day. Boom, another and another. What happened next, you wouldn't believe if I didn't document it with my iPhone, Okay. Between Uncle Bob, my son Dell, and me, we caught 32 bass in under three hours. Who caught the most fish, the biggest one of all, on his final cast? Watch this. Dell, number 32, this is huge. That's, okay. Oh, okay. 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 Ooh, that's about a six. Oh, that's a six pounder, probably. Dude! That's a six pounder. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Dell. Easy, he's not hooked that good. Let me get a hold of him. Bring him over here. Okay, okay. Get a hold. Oh! Easy, easy, easy. Get a hold. Easy, big boy. Yeah! Oh! Dude! Dude! Turn, turn, boys, turn. Turn. Oh my easy. gosh. Oh my gosh. Easy. Oh my gosh. Guys, 32 fish. Bob, how many pounds okay. is this, you think? Uh, at least five, five to six pounds. Oh boy! Dude! Oh my Oh, and I caught this one. You I sure know. did. You sure did. <laughs> <laughs> the, the reason he's going, I caught it, is because a lot of times I hold the fish up and take a picture. <laughs> you know, and he's like, no, no, this is mine. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, Uncle Bob has lived in a lake for 48 years. He says, I have never seen anything like this, you know. And again, you can laugh and say, you know, cute coincidence. But wouldn't that just be like the heart? of a perfect father to reach into the heart of an 11-year-old child and speak his unique language so that he understands, I'm your father and you can ask me anything and I will hear you and I will answer you and, and I can do more than, I, I'm powerful and I'm big, but I'm not so big that I don't pay attention to the simple heart cry of a boy for fish and just like Jesus showed, I can do more than you ask or imagine. See, what's my prayer for my son as an earthly father? I pray that, you know, God lets my son catch fish, not, not so we can brag, so that his faith will be his own. And when his earthly father is old and gray and dead in the ground, he'll be adopted. He will know the dependency on his heavenly father will provide everything he needs in life. That's my goal. As I teach my son about prayer with the small stuff, I, there's going to be a day where he doesn't catch anything. I know that's coming and then his faith will really get stretched. But in the meantime, it's about having this faith of a child 
about the goodness of your Father in heaven. In Matthew 7, Jesus put it this way. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, in other words, as parents, we're evil in comparison to how good God is. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, let's say this together. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So you have to approach your father with the faith of a child, believing that he's good, that he loves to give good gifts to his kids. But you have to ask. You have to seek. You have to knock. You have to press in. And even if God doesn't answer at first, that's okay. Even if he doesn't, it may not be the right timing. Even if he answers in some way that is above and beyond our understanding why that would be better, you, can, you don't have to freak out because you have confidence that God will answer whatever you ask in accordance with his character. What's God's character? You know what the Bible says? God is what? Love. In other words, love is not just what God does. Love is who he is. When you grasp that your father is the embodiment of love, you suddenly realize there's nothing I can do that will make him love me more. And there's nothing I can do that will make him love me less. God doesn't love you because of what you do. He loves you because of who he is. And when you grasp how wide and high and deep is the love of Christ, praying no longer is something you do on Sunday or say grace before meals. It's something you take with you wherever you go. You, you have conversations with God while fishing with your kids, while jogging on the beach, while cooking in the kitchen. Before you enter a meeting, at the start of a class, during a difficult conversation, Father, give me words that will bless and build this person up. And even if God doesn't answer your prayer exactly the way you hoped he would, you don't get freaked out because Christ dwells in your heart and you have a supernatural peace. Have you ever met somebody who has this peace that defies understanding? Like they get a diagnosis that they've been praying to be healed and it doesn't happen, it gets worse, but they're so peaceful and you're like, it's like they have something I don't have. You know why? They have something you don't have. <laughs> they have the Holy Spirit has invaded and, and the reality has changed. They have confidence. Christ is dwelling in their heart through faith. And you realize nothing happens to me apart from the will of my Father in heaven. And he is good. And his ways are not my ways. And, you know, his thoughts aren't my not thoughts. And he may answer not yet or he has a greater plan in mind. But that's all right because he loves me. Remember, we always live between the now and the not yet. The kingdom of God is now, but it's also not yet. Trust in your father bridges those two worlds. There will be a day, I guarantee, when my son prays and God doesn't automatically answer his prayer. You know what? I thank God for that. Because I don't want him to think his father's a vending machine in the sky. I want him to learn he can trust him in all things. My prayer for you is that the father's love, his goodness, and his generosity will invade every fiber of your being. I have the same prayer for Liquid Church that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp it. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know, know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So what is your prayer today? What is your prayer for this series? For the next three weeks, when you grasp how much your father loves you, how much power is available to you, it will change you. Because you won't just say, you know, God, keep us safe or just bless this food. That's all I can think of. Amen. Pray with specificity and pray for game-changing things in your family, in your world. Parents, it's not enough just to pray, you know, God, keep my kids safe and away from drugs. Pray a prayer of power. I pray, God, that you will grip their heart and they will rise up and be world changers in their generation. You've appointed them to, to come of age in a culture that's growing darker by the minute. May they shine out. May they stand out and people look and see something different. That kid's weird. Kneel with your kids. Lay your hands on them, parents. Pray blessing over them. Connect the dots of how God answers prayer. You know, it's cool. After our little, you know, 32 bass miracle, I get back into the car with my son and I'm freaking out. I'm like, dude, can you believe what just happened? You prayed and God showed up. And it's so fun because my son goes, dad, 
God didn't just show up. He showed off. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that is such a good way to put it. Where do you need your heavenly father to show up and to show off? Don't pray small. Don't be generic. If it's finances, don't, don't just pray, God, help me you know, meet the bills this month. No. God, you told me to ask you for my daily bread. And you said you will meet all of my needs according to your riches in Christ's glory. So I pray, God, that I will have more than I need so that I can be radically generous. I can be a blessing to others in my life. I pray that you will bless me, Father God, that I can be a blessing to others. Pray big prayers. You are speaking to a God who says with man, this is impossible. But with me, what? All things are possible. And your faith will grow because you have the power of the risen Christ rising now in you. That's how Paul ends it in verse 20. He closes with a benediction. It just means a blessing. And this is one of my favorite blessings in the Bible. Look at verse 20. He says this. Now to him, your father, who is able to do, let's read these words, big, loud voice in red. Ready? Here we go. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within you, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Do you see the spirit of Paul's prayer? It's not God, just help me make it through the day a little bit. He's like, God, do more. Do more than I can ask or even imagine. He's like, may generations be different because of what happens. Show off your glory. I want to see things that are inexplicable except for the hand of God so that Christ gets all the credit. I don't know what God put on your heart to pray to start this series, but I know this. God can do more than you ask or imagine. Amen? I want you to commit to pray for the next three weeks. I want you to commit to serious prayer. Get out of spiritual vacation. Know that we are praying with you. We are going to collect every single prayer at every liquid campus, and we're going to pray specifically for you that God will do more than we ask or imagine as we pray together. But now to end, I have something to ask of you. I have a prayer request of my own. Usually on Sundays, I know. I'm in the role of like praying for you. But today, I want to ask you to pray for me and specifically to pray for this church, Liquid Church, over the next three weeks. I have a very big, bold prayer I am holding before God on behalf of our church. It is huge. It is one of the biggest prayers I've ever prayed. It is highly specific. I have it written here. You can't really read it. But if this comes true, just be, this is not hyperbole. It is a game changer in the life of Liquid Church. Um, we are currently navigating plans for the long-term future of our church, and if several key pieces come into place in the next few weeks, it will change the legacy of our church for generations to come, okay? That's not exaggerated. Unfortunately, I can't, I can't share all the specific details yet, and I hate to be that guy like, I have a secret, but I can't tell you. I'm not. The reason is because our leadership team right now is involved in very sensitive negotiations, that are confidential. And I can't share the details with you until the fall, but it is something big that only God could dream up. Uh, God is weaving one of his miracles behind the scenes in our church. It has to do with the future expansion of liquid, but there are several obstacles to overcome, and I need you to pray. I need you to be big time praying for this. And so I want to ask you, would you commit to praying for three things? First, for God's clear direction for our leadership, for God's favor in those negotiations, and really for his breakthrough. And this fall, I promise, I will report back to you every detail, but right now I need us to pray as one church family. Our staff is praying this. We've been praying. You know our staff prays? We pray for you every week on Mondays and Thursdays. We pray for each other, this church for you. I took this uh, stealth snapshot with my iPhone of our staff on Monday. And let me tell you, this is one of the primary reasons that I believe God blesses Liquid Church. Because there are people behind the scenes who are willing to humble themselves and do the hard work of storming heaven's gates and asking our Father for favor. And that's how I want you to pray for the next three weeks. Each week, would you ask God to do more than we ask or imagine for Liquid Church? That's the, the phrase God gave me right here out of Ephesians 3.20 and said, highlight that for people. Our executive team is at this pivotal moment we've worked on for months, and we see the goal line in sight. There's momentum, but we need God's power. We need God's wisdom. We need his breakthrough. We need him to do more than we ask or imagine. So can I get your commitment? Would you, would you commit to praying for the next three weeks? Raise your hand if you'll pray for our church. Can I count on you? Thank you for that. Even if you've never prayed for our church before, thank you. Please pray for these next three weeks. 
for our pastors that, you know, not for, again, not for our glory, but so that generations to come may know, may know that Jesus Christ is creator, Lord, and Savior over all. Amen? I really believe there will be a moment this fall. You know, when we look back at all that God did and marvel at everything he's going to do, then we'll trace it back to this, this season and time and say it never would have happened without the power of prayer and the Holy Spirit working in his people. And when God comes through, you know what we're going to tell everybody? That it's only because our Father showed up and showed off that it happened. And that generations will be changed and give him glory because I really believe a church is never more dangerous and powerful than when it's on its knees in prayer. Amen? And that's how I'd like to end. I want to end by giving you a chance to pray, to do business with your Father in heaven. I know the Holy Spirit's probably spoken to some of you and you're like, oh man, I, it's, it's been a long time since I've prayed that kind of prayer. So I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward. They're going to send down the popcorn bucket. Drop your prayer card in there at all of our campuses. Go ahead, ushers. You can just send those buckets down the row. And if you need a reminder, just write it down in your program so you remember that you're going to be praying for this during the week. And during our closing worship song, I want to invite you to pray. We're going to clear a little bit of space for you to talk with your Father in heaven. Be bold, be specific. If there's unconfessed sin, pray a prayer of repentance. It's the greatest prayer you can pray. God, heal the gap between me and you. I repent of my sin. But then I hold before you these things in my heart. We're going to stand for this final song, and when we do, some people may want to kneel. Go ahead, you can stand. Go ahead, stand on up. The bucket comes down, drop it in. You can stand on up. You may want to kneel for this song, or you may want to come forward for prayer. If that's you, just step out into the aisle when we begin and come on down to the front. But let me pray for you right now. I want to pray right now. Father God, we thank you for your love. Your love never fails. It never gives up. And I pray, God, right now, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would supernaturally reveal to every man and woman how much you love them. We see it in Jesus on the cross. We thank you for his blood. And now to him who can do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to your power that is at work in your people. Father God, come receive glory. We open our hearts, invade it, fill it to the brim, all the fullness of the knowledge of Christ right now. We look forward with expectancy to what you're going to do in this special season of prayer. Inhabit the praise now of your people. We offer your hearts. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.